We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com live post-game show. Lakers fall to the Clippers. Certainly not the kind of game that we were hoping to see in this one. Never a good feeling to lose a game to the Clippers. The Lakers fall 133 to 115. Was not close. Frankly, it's hard to win a game when your opponents forget how to miss anything, any kind of shot. The, the Clippers average 12 threes just over 12 threes per game. They had 15 in the first half. Absolutely incredible red-hot shooting from the Clippers. LeBron James had 46, finally put up a 40-point game against the Clippers, the only team he had not done that against. 46, 8, and 7. Kind of a wasted great LeBron performance. Nobody else could really get going for the Lakers. You had 15 and 7. For Thomas Bryant, that's not bad. 17 and five assists for Russell Westbrook. Just four for 13, though, shooting from the field. The Lakers, as a team, shoot 44% from the field, could not get shots to drop, finish 40% from three. But a lot of that is because LeBron was nine of 14 from deep. This game really felt like a LeBron and nobody else type of game for the Lakers. Uh, defensively, again, could not get stops. Again, the Clippers shoot 61% from the field. Let's face it, if the Clippers shoot 60-plus percent in a half, they shot 65% from three in the first half. If they shoot 61% from the field for a game, they're beating any team. Any team they play they play against, they're beating if you're hitting that percentage of your shots. But nonetheless, unfortunately, it comes tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, we've talked about it, this Clippers team. They're a team that can no-show for entire games and just kind of take nights off, not show up. You knew that was not going to be the case against the Lakers. You knew they would treat this as their Super Bowl. They were going to be incredibly motivated in this game. And that's exactly what we saw. We saw a Clippers team that was completely locked in. And on top of that, just red hot from behind the three-point line. And the Lakers, meanwhile, could not seem to get things going aside from LeBron James. Now, Rui Hachimura, not yet playing. Could hear some rumors that could play tomorrow. Anthony Davis, perhaps also back tomorrow. He's going to get uh, checked out by the doctors tomorrow morning. Could potentially be back tomorrow against the San Antonio Spurs. Austin Reeves did some sprinting recently, I've heard, and was feeling good. So hopefully he is on the comeback trail. Is going to get reevaluated later this week. Same thing with Lonnie Walker. will be reevaluated later this week. So hopefully the Lakers are getting healthier. We've got a lot to talk about in this one, though. Welcome in if you're coming in with plenty of comments here. Joining me on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure that you are subscribing over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. But again, if you're joining me live, you're on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter. Welcome in. All right, let's see what some of your comments are here. Let's start start with Koa. Said the Clippers had everything the Lakers wished to have around LeBron and AD, and they had five legit three and D on the court. Only Braun came to play. And Russ, like, come on, shaking my head. Yeah, that's, I mean, I talked about this with Sean Davis a little bit on the playback live stream of the game. If you watched the game with us, 
Um, that's always a lot of fun. So if you haven't done so yet, check out the playback live stream. It's at the bottom of or at the top of the description of all of our, our YouTube videos. You can find the link there. Come join us and watch the game directly with us. Hang out. We'll talk hoops while the game is on. But if you watched the live stream, we talked a little bit about how the Clippers, it's almost like if you were to build a team specifically to give this Lakers team trouble, it would be what the Clippers would put together. A ton of wings. So you've got all this wing depth to where you just have this constant swarm of, I mean, they lost Marcus Morris at halftime. It didn't matter. Just the Clippers have all of the wing depth to the point where they're actually missing guards. And by the way, they're guards who haven't been that good. Like Reggie Jackson has not been that good. It was phenomenal today because of course. Uh, but the Clippers have a ton of wing depth. They've got a big Inavitsa Zubats who can overpower Thomas Bryant who doesn't let Thomas Bryant get going, who could take advantage of him there. And again, I didn't think Thomas Bryant was terrible in this one, but you saw some of his defensive shortcomings in this game. Um, and then you've got guys who can just create their own shots and score in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So this is a very difficult matchup for the Lakers. And then on top of that, the Clippers weren't missing shots. The Lakers had a poor showing. And this is what you get. This is what you get. Uh, Russ, yeah, Russ did not have a good game. Russell Westbrook, I, I'm anticipating a lot of negative Russ comments on, on today's show. He he did not have a, a very good game. Kyle Hampton. What really sucks is, you know, in some alternate universe, Kendrick Nunn scored 40 in this game. Anyway, better tomorrow, hopefully. I would hope you would have to dig pretty, pretty hard to find that Kendrick Nunn 40-point universe if that's, if that's out there. If you're saying that Kendrick Nunn not being on the Lakers is the reason why they lost this game, I, I, I think that's probably a bit of a bit of a stretch there on uh, on that one. All right, let's chat a little bit about this this next topic here. Peanut Butter Badger said, if it's still on the table, I'm okay with the Russ Pacers deal. I know there's hesitation because of losing his passing, uh, but Austin Reeves can take over his role. He's been making winning passes all year. All right, so a couple things. A couple things there. First and foremost, uh, I was on record saying if that Pacers deal is truly on the table, which was Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, we all know by now for Russell Westbrook and both first round picks reportedly, you know, the rumors were that the Lakers, and I've heard this too, that the Lakers had, they uh, presented that offer uh, the night before media day, that would have been a done deal. We've heard rumblings that even go as far as it was a yes in the Lakers front office until suddenly it wasn't until suddenly it wasn't. So suddenly they decided to change their minds and got cold feet and decided not to do it. Um, some fingers have been pointed at, at Jeannie that perhaps Jeannie Buss was the one who decided no on that. Again, I can't confirm. I'm saying those are the rumors that are out there. Fast forwarding to today. If you could do that deal right now, the Pacers have been losing games. If the Pacers decide, you know what, buddy healed, he's under contract next year. We don't want to have him under contract. Uh, miles Turner, we can't come to uh, terms on an extension with him, which they got to be getting a little nervous. I mean, Trade deadline's coming up. If they can't work on an extension with Miles Turner, they don't feel like they want to pay him whatever he's going to cost, they're probably going to need to move him. So if it's Russ and both first for Heald and Turner, right now, I can't say I'm saying no. And look, Russ has been good. Russ has been pretty good this year. And again, it's easy to be reactionary and say, oh my God, this, this loss is terrible. This hurts because it's the Clippers. All of these things, right? And... Russell Westbrook was not good, good in this game. So therefore get him off this team, get him off this team. And we saw the same sentiment after the, the win over the Grizzlies in which, I oh no, it wasn't, uh, it was the Portland win, I believe where Russ didn't do a whole lot. And so people were, were saying, well, Russ didn't do a lot in this game, but the Lakers won and, you know, trade him away. I think if we look, we take a step back and we look at the season as a whole, Russ has been pretty good for the Lakers. I think his passing has been important tonight was not a good night for Russell Westbrook, but nonetheless, I think you are losing something. As Badger mentions here, you're losing his passing. So the question becomes, can Austin Reeves fill in that role as a passer, as a playmaker? I think someday, yes. Someday, yes. I think Austin has that natural passing instinct. I don't know if this season is the time to do that for Austin Reeves. To say, Russ, you're off the roster. Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, you're in. Austin Reeves, you're now our backup point guard. Here's the ball. 
we need you to create looks for Wenyan, to create looks for Thomas Bryant, to create looks for, you know, lobs to Anthony Davis, all the things that, that Russ has done, lobs to AD, all of that. I don't know if you necessarily want to completely rely on Austin to do that. I think he can, and, and eventually he will be able to. But in his second year, I think that's a lot to put on Austin Reeves. But nonetheless, nonetheless, um, I do think I'd probably still strongly consider doing the deal. Because Miles Turner and AD together is such an intriguing tandem. I mean, imagine that your big man rotation is Miles Turner, Anthony Davis, and, and Thomas Bryant. I mean, that's that's pretty darn good, your big man rotation. And then you've got LeBron playing the four. You've got Rui Hachimura now to play the four as well. You've got an appropriately sized roster now to play with. That could be pretty good for the Lakers. Could be pretty good. Anthony, uh, with the $10 Super Chat, thank you so much, Anthony. Certainly uh, do appreciate that. Casual said, I want to celebrate the 46, but that's 10 losses in a row to the Clippers. Yeah, it's hard to feel good. It's hard to feel good about uh, the Clippers. Um, uh, about losing to the Clippers, even if LeBron does drop 46. Uh, Trevor Lane Stan, can you please give a hint as to why you think LeBron will break the record against OKC? Thank you so much for all you do, despite a frustrating loss. Hope you have a great night. Thank you. All right, I'll just reveal it. The reason why <laughs> this is, there's no analytics behind this. There is no, I have no like future knowledge. I can't see the future. If I could, I'd be, I guess, buying lottery tickets or playing out the plot to Back to the Future with Grace Sports Almanac or something like that, if I could see the future. The reason why I've been saying LeBron James will break the scoring record on February 7th against OKC, it's because it's my birthday. That's, that's, that is the only reason why I've been consistently, like all season, saying February that would that's the date when he will break the, the scoring record. That's it. That's, that's as deep as that thinking has gone. Uh, Carl says, Pistons. Oh, here we go. It's a hypothetical trade. Pistons get Beverly and Walker and an unprotected first from the Lakers. Okay, so Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker going out, plus a first. Knicks get JTA and Damian Jones and a second-round pick from the Pistons. Okay. And then the Lakers get Boyan and Cam Reddish. What are the Pistons getting... There, I mean, the Pistons are getting Beverly. Well, I mean, Lonnie's solid. You get an unprotected first. The Knicks. The Knicks get JTA and Jones in a second. They get one second. So what we've heard is that, that I'm just breaking that down in my head. Then what we've heard is the Knicks want two seconds for, for Cam. And maybe they don't ultimately get them. So maybe push comes to shove. Uh, but the problem is Damian Jones isn't even an expiring contract. He's got a player option for next year. You're asking them to take on an extra contract too that eats up a roster spot. While I don't hate this deal and I don't hate it for the Lakers, I think this would be, if if this got presented to the Lakers, I would say, yes, I would do this. Um, I would do this deal. But I don't think that this is necessarily in the cards from the Knicks side. And I think... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think the Pistons, this, this would be a February 9th deal. The Pistons would do everything they can to hold out for more for Boyan. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to take it all the way up to the wire and see what they can get. 
I, I am hoping that the Lakers perhaps have reset the trade market with the deal for Rui Hachimura and that all of these teams that are you know stomping their feet and demanding first round picks for all of their players will have to come off of that a little bit and will have to be a little bit more realistic. So I'm hoping that the Rui Hachimura deal helps the Lakers as well as kind of the rest of the league by opening up the trade market a bit. But I wouldn't be opposed to this from the Lakers side. I think that logistically it gets a little bit tough with some of the other teams that are involved in this. Um, I do want to mention though, you know, and this is something that's interesting. I think the Lakers effectively, they chose Rui Hachimura over Cam Reddish. I was actually asked about this on the show uh, two nights ago, right before the trade went the, the night before the trade went down, who would you take? And I said, Rui Hachimura, um, you would have to imagine had the Lakers called up the Knicks, I mean, similar salary with Cam Reddish and Rui. And you said, Hey, Knicks, three second rounders and Kendrick Nunn right now for Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish would be a Laker right now. The Lakers clearly chose Rui Hachimura over Cam Reddish. Um, and I don't think that's the wrong decision. I like Cam Reddish, but I think Rui is a bit more established. You have, he's a bit more of a known commodity in the NBA. You know what you're getting out of him. And you know, I also have a little bit more faith in him to play the four successfully. He's just a bigger, stronger, more physical player. And so I think the Lakers made the correct decision. But interesting, when we, we've done so much talking about Cam Reddish, I would say it's fairly logical to assume that the Lakers could have turned that offer into Cam Reddish if they wanted to, and they chose Rui Hachimura. Now, in fact, there's reporting out there, I believe, from Jake Fisher, that the Lakers looked at, essentially, there was another deal that was out there involving the Suns, the Bucks, um, and the Wizards, and ultimately used kind of the price tag for Cam Reddish, I'm sorry, for Rui Hachimura, to jump in and say, oh, we'll do that deal. It's kind of like if you've, ever, if you've ever watched Shark Tank, Mark Cuban does this a lot, ironically, for you know the Mavs owner, does this a lot, where you'll have somebody up presenting and they're going back and forth, forth with one of the Sharks and the person presenting the product, whatever it is, says, well, would you do you know $200,000 for 10%? And Mark will just chime in, oh, I'll do that. And then they'll go, okay, cool, done deal. And off you go. Kind of feels like that's what the Lakers did here. They used the basis of the trade that was already in discussions with the Wizards. And then they jumped in and said, hey, Wizards, three seconds. That's what you want. All right, here you go. Let's do it. Kendrick Nunn. And they got the deal done. And I can't fault them for doing it. It was a, it was a great job. I, I like the trade. Ace of Hearts. Russ literally depresses me almost every game. I don't know. I mean, look, I was on board with moving Russell Westbrook. We had these conversations a lot over the offseason about can you bring him back? There was clearly bad blood there and all of those sorts of things. But I've overall been fairly impressed with Russ this season. And maybe maybe I'm overly optimistic on him at this point. But I've been fairly impressed with the way he's performed coming off the bench. He's not worth $47 million. You were never going to get that. But I think he's done some good things for the Lakers this season. Tonight was not that night, though. Tonight was just not a good night. Um, again, you're, you're not beating the Grizzlies without Russ. You're not getting that win. I'm not saying you don't trade him. I don't want to sink back into this idea that Russ is just this net negative and just jettison him to the moon and this team will automatically become better. Like he's somehow this addition by subtraction. I don't think that's the case with Russ. Uh, Jillian said, how does the team waste a LeBron masterclass? Well, I guess, you know, let's just, let's use that because this is fairly, fairly obvious, but let's do this. Superstar of the night. Jillian brings up a fair point. The superstar of the night, very clearly LeBron James. I mean, LeBron has probably one of his, you know, his best shooting performances of the season. LeBron, 46 points, eight boards, seven assists, two steals, but nine of 14 from deep, 16 of 29 shooting overall, and nobody else could get going. I mean, Thomas Bryant was six of 11, but for a big, you know, but two of three from deep. It looked, TB was not terrible. He wasn't, didn't blow up the way he did last game against Portland, but he was fine. Other than that, though, Four for 13 from Russ, three for nine for Schroeder, one for eight for Patrick Beverly, three for seven for Troy Brown. That's the game. Game over. When you're playing a team that gets red hot from three, you can't have your starting backcourt shoot four for 17 and win a game. You just can't. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, that's certainly not going to work. And, and again, it is a waste a bit of uh, a bit of a waste. Uh, Dave McMenamin officially 
on ESPN. Some of you in the chat are probably noting this already, but I'm behind a little. Noting that Anthony Davis will return to the lineup on Wednesday. So AD back five and a half games later. He's got to get cleared officially tomorrow, but should be back in the rotation for the Lakers coming up tomorrow. Gotta love that. Welcome back, Anthony Davis. Much needed. Wish he could have played tonight. I think if I had that choice, I would have played AD against the Clippers and not the Spurs. Although, I don't know. The Spurs is kind of the game you have to win because that's the game you're supposed to. That's the game you're supposed to win, so you have to win that one. But in any event, bottom line, Anthony Davis getting healthy, and he's going to be back in action. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's huge for this Lakers team. Again, we can be frustrated with this loss tonight, but the bottom line is the Lakers have played 500 basketball without Anthony Davis. That's all we could ask for. They kept their heads above water, just just kept themselves in the race. Now AD comes back, and hopefully that will be enough to allow them to make a playoff push, especially if he can get back. If AD comes back and he's anywhere close to the guy that he was, that MVP caliber Anthony Davis, oh boy, this could get really interesting really, really quick in the Western Conference. Once again, Anthony Davis sounds like he will be back in action tomorrow against the Spurs. Boy, that's that's some good news. That is some good news right there to kind of lift us all up after this difficult loss to a team that you never want to lose to in the Clippers. And unfortunately, they've lost to way too often recently. But nonetheless, Anthony Davis will be back in action now tomorrow against the San Antonio Spurs. Again, assuming everything goes well with his uh, appointment, just making sure he gets all cleared tomorrow, but should be back in action. Tomorrow, Anthony Davis. Woo. Love it. Uh, this comment says, LeBron is unbelievable, but AD is always hurt. Russ stinks. He should get traded. Even when he played good, we need shooting. Well, the Lakers definitely do need shooting. They need, sh- and I think, you know, getting Rui Hachimura is a big deal. It's a big deal for the Lakers because it gives you that wing that you needed. It brings the balance back to the roster that you certainly needed. But the bottom line is that this team still needs shooting. Rui Hachimura doesn't provide that. He can hit. He's, he's shooting 33.7% from three this season, which is just fine. Um, it, it's good enough for a power forward. You'll take it. Obviously, you'd love for him to be shooting 38% or something, but he's not. Um, he doesn't solve the shooting problem. He doesn't solve the shooting problem for the for the Lakers. So you still need to find some shooting on the market. Now, the question is going to be, again, what happens with the trade market after the Rui Hachimura deal? Is there a domino effect where now teams start to come off of hey, we're demanding a first-round pick for anything of any kind of value. Do teams start to get more realistic now that they see that a a valuable player like Rui Hachimura got moved instead of for first for second-round picks? So does that open things up for the Lakers? Because ultimately, I do think there's another move they need to make. I'll also say, though, I think the Rui Hachimura trade goes a long way towards making it so the Lakers don't have to make a move. Right. So if you're if they're in negotiations and teams are just using that ticking clock of the trade deadline against them and saying, well, this is what it's going to cost you. You need shooting. So give us everything you've got. We need both your first round picks unprotected for a couple of role players. That's what we're demanding. And if the trade deadline expires, then you guys don't get that. And they're hoping the Lakers will cave at least by doing the Rui Hachimura deal. The Lakers can say, well, no, we, we already got a guy. We got a guy that can help us on the wing and that's going to be good enough for us. Now, again, They need to add shooting, but at least they've done something already. Imagine if they hadn't done the Rui Hachimura deal and they're waiting. And next thing you know, it's February 9th and the clock is ticking. And the only offers that are out there are bad offers. Then they're in a tough spot. I think this teams will really dig in. I think the Rui Hachimura deal buys them a little bit of leverage because they can say, look, we did something. We got a guy that we really like. We've made a move here and we addressed an issue on the wing. Yeah, we probably need to do more, but this this keeps us in the mix here by going and getting Rui Hachimura. Akoa said, Braun sat far away from Russ. Looks so dumb with these guys. Can't blame him. Dude almost got 50-point triple-double and no turnovers at 38 and lost. 2018 game one against the Warriors. I'm sure LeBron was frustrated. He never wants to lose games. That's as, and rightfully so. LeBron doesn't want to lose. No question. But that being said, um, oh, and Darvin Ham did also confirm Rui Hachimura is available to play tomorrow. So 
there we go. All of that is in there and nothing too surprising, but yeah. Um, sounds like he will indeed play. Rui tomorrow, Anthony Davis tomorrow. That's exciting. That's going to be exciting for sure. Um, nonetheless, yeah, LeBron is certainly frustrated. Although I'm not going to, where LeBron sits on the bench, whether he sits by Russ or not, I'm not going to read too much into it. I'm just not. There's only so many seats, right? I mean, if LeBron says something, hey, I'm frustrated with Russ because he didn't have a good game. Okay, that's different. But if if LeBron does something, you know, gestures at Russ and he's angry with him clearly or something, like, okay, that's different. But LeBron not sitting by Russ, I'm not going to read too much into it until we get something, something more concrete to go on. Uh, Eddie, once Reeves and Walker are back in the rotation, do you think one of them will start? And if so, what do you think Ham does with Patrick Beverly? So you're assuming that Dennis Schroeder would continue to start. Rui Hachimura perhaps starts at the three or Troy Brown Jr. continues to start at the three. And then one of them slides in for Patrick Beverly, either Lonnie or Austin Reeves. Um, I think it definitely could happen. And I don't know if it will because Darwin seems to really like this starting backcourt. But in terms of size, whether it's Austin or Lonnie, Austin is 6'5", Lonnie is 6'4", Pat Bev is 6'1". And look, Pat has done some good things. Tonight was not a good night for him. But if your lineup is Dennis Schroeder at 6'1", Austin Reeves at 6'5", it's LeBron James at 6'8", Rui Hachimura at 6'8", and Anthony Davis at 6'11", 7 foot, whatever you want to call him, that's a pretty appropriately sized NBA roster, right? That's a normally sized roster. That's the Lakers no longer being undersized. I like that. I like that. I think too often this season we've been saying, oh my gosh, look how much, I mean, even tonight, look how much bigger the Clippers are. Look how much bigger the Grizzlies are. It would be great to be able to go into games and say, hey, the Lakers aren't at a massive size disadvantage. You look at tonight's matchup. The Lakers were at a size disadvantage at every position on the floor except for one. And that's LeBron. LeBron and Marcus Morris. That was the only matchup that the Lakers weren't at a size disadvantage on. It would be nice to have them go in, and that's not unique to this game against the Clippers. There have been other games like that too. I think it would be nice to see the Lakers not in that situation. Now, what does that mean for Patrick Beverly? If he's indeed the player who gets put to the bench, who knows, maybe it's Troy Brown and somebody slides into that role. But if it's Patrick Beverly, then he just moves into a bench role, maybe becomes more of a defensive stopper specialist type. I would like to see him once Rui gets reintegrated or gets integrated to the lineup. Same thing with uh, Austin Reeves coming back and Lonnie Walker and AD, you get all these pieces in. I would like to see now that you've, you'll have a little more help on the wing, Patrick Beverly used to defend guards and not be asked to defend, what, 6'8", Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, who are just going to rise up and shoot over him. I know the Lakers kind of by default had to ask him to be a wing defender, and he can do that sometimes like if he gets switched on to somebody okay he can hold his own for a couple of possessions or whatever but the lakers went into the season literally calling 6-1 patrick beverly a three and d wing i'd like to see that go away don't ask him to do that don't ask him to defend guys that are that much taller than him it's too much ask him to defend guards i think he's shown that he can be successful doing that and of course we'll talk you know trades too his contract could be useful in a deal Oh boy, Westbrook does not contribute to winning plays. How do you guys not see this? The front office needs to do something with Westbrook's contract and a first-round pick. So here's the, the problem. Here's the problem with, with Russ and everything. Um, right now, what we've heard is that teams around the NBA, 29 teams, would charge the Lakers a first-round pick just to get Russell Westbrook off the roster. So when you say do something with Westbrook's contract and a first-round pick, you can get him off the roster for that. You can't get anything back. So do you want to give up both firsts and get Russell Westbrook off the roster and get a role player or two that maybe don't make much of a difference? Is that worth it? Worth both your firsts? I don't think so. I don't think it is. I don't think it's right. I don't think teams are appropriately valuing Russell Westbrook if they're looking at him that way. But if that's truly the way they value Russell Westbrook, where they are putting it in stone that, hey, we're not letting Russell Westbrook get off your team unless you pay us a first-round pick, then okay, fine, we'll keep him. He's got his bird rights for next year. I'm not saying they're going to hang on to him long-term, but 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Keep them. What's the, why, why pay? Now, maybe you wind up finding a great deal where you need his $47 million expiring salary in a trade. Maybe. But even then, if the team that you're trying to trade with is charging you just because you're taking Russell Westbrook off your roster, and then you've got to pay extra to get any kind of value coming back, it's hard to see where the Lakers are going to see eye to eye with that team in terms of the value in a negotiation process. They're not going to see Russell Westbrook right now as a player that they should pay a first round pick to just get him off the roster. It doesn't make sense. So that's the problem. It's, a, it's an issue of valuation when we're looking at, at trying to move Russell Westbrook. If teams really see him that way, then I, I don't know that there's a trade there for the Lakers. Then maybe it becomes a three-team deal and you can dilute the thing a little bit or something like that. And you can find out some way to make it work. Not saying it's impossible, but it's difficult if teams are going to approach Russell Westbrook as though he is the same negative value player that he was perceived to be over the summer. If you're saying he's the exact same negative value as he was back in July, first of all, I think that's disingenuous. I think that completely dismisses what we've seen from him this season, what we've seen coming off the bench from him, what we've seen playing for Darvin Ham and all of these things. It completely dismisses all of that, which I don't think is right. But if that's the way teams are going to value him, that's the way they're going to value him. And then you just say, okay, well, then we don't want to trade him. Doesn't make sense. Unless, again, there's some deal that comes along where the, the value overall gets diluted in multiple teams and all of that, and, and something palatable shows up. But right now, my concern is that teams are going to demand the Lakers pay to get Russ off the roster, and I don't think they feel like they should. Ace of Hearts. Can we get Reddish for two seconds? I heard that deal was on the table earlier today. The problem is what salary is going out, right? It was going to be Kendrick Nunn, so would the Knicks do... Can you stack up a couple of veteran minimums, guys? Could you stack up Damian Jones, JTA? I don't, I'm hoping that's enough to make the salary work. Maybe there's another one you have to put in. I don't know. Um, in theory, yes, right? The Lakers had potentially seven second-round picks that they could trade. They traded three of them. You still have four second-rounders. So in theory, yes, you, you could do that. Um, you could call it the Knicks, and you could say, here's a couple of second-rounders or whatever. If they won't take, though, they won't allow the Lakers to stack up veteran minimum contracts now. That's the problem. And a lot of teams don't want to do that because that means more roster spots being taken up. So if you say, oh, the Lakers can get to a $9 million player, you just got to stack up like four guys that are on veteran minimum deals, and then there you go. Well, teams don't have roster space to take on all those players. They just don't. So that's not easy to do. So if the Knicks say, well, we don't want to take on two or three guys or whatever just to make the math work so we can get these second rounders, Who's who else can work? That's Lonnie Walker. That's it. It's Lonnie Walker, right? Do you want to give up Lonnie Walker to get Cam Reddish? I don't. I don't think that's the, the move that you make. Lonnie's been good enough this season. He's had some bright moments. And who knows? Might he be a long-term fit for the Lakers? That's what we were talking about back in October and November. Could Lonnie be a long-term fit for this team? Now, he's slumped recently. He's been hurt recently. But... I don't think I'm making that move if the cost is Lonnie Walker, particularly if I have to add picks on top of that in order to go get Cam Reddish. So in theory, yeah, you could go after him, but it becomes how willing are the Knicks to take on multiple veteran minimums now in order to get a deal done. And remember, the Lakers already traded away three second rounders. How willing are they to do that, to trade away more of those second round picks? Hey, Chris, the picks are worth giving up to smoothen out the edges on the roster. No need for a superstar. Just patch up the holes, i.e., Boyan, Buddy, Trent, Richardson, Pirtle, etc. You know, overall, I'm in agreement with you there. I'm in agreement that I don't, and I think the Lakers with the Rui Hachimura move, essentially, assuming that things click with Hachimura, took themselves out of kind of that superstar hunt for the summer. Like, you're not getting Kyrie with the amount of cap space they would have left. That's That ship has kind of sailed. So, uh, again, assuming they keep Hachimura. But I, I'll say this. If I'm the Lakers and I'm getting some combination of Boyan, Buddy Heald, 
Gary Trent Jr., Josh Richardson, Jakob Pertl. I'm willing to move a first-round pick in order to add one or more of those guys to varying degrees, right? Like, I'm not giving up a first so I can take on another year of Buddy Heald's contract and, you know, and all of that, right? But if it's, you know, if I can get Pertl and I can give up a first, okay, I, I'm probably doing that. If I can get Bojan and I can give up a first, if I can put some light protections, okay, right? That There's some things that make some sense. Um, so again, to, to varying degrees here. What I'm not doing, though, is giving up both firsts. Like if my if the trade is Russ and both firsts unprotected for Yaka Pertle, Josh Richardson, and Doug McDermott, I don't think I'm doing that. And I think Pertle, Richardson, and McDermott are all good fits. They would all help the Lakers. But is that the trade where you say, this team is done. The work is done. This team is set. Championships are coming our way. I don't think so. I don't think so. And that's what Rob Palenka talked about today before the game, about how if there's a move that will make them a championship team, they will make that move. They will make that move. But otherwise, they got to kind of be careful here because once they move those picks, that's it. They get one shot at this if they're going to stack both those picks together and try to get something done. Again, if I could get one of those guys and give up one pick, I'm interested in doing that. I'm not giving up both picks. Even if I have to get, even if it's getting a couple of those guys, I don't think that moves the needle enough. Uh, David, so the Lakers front office, please trade both first for Boyan. Don't take LeBron for granted. Single-handedly keep the three-point percentage battle respectable. Uh, brought the game to within 10 with six minutes left. Russ has got to go. Nothing personal. So, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm not trading both first to get Boyan. I, I 100% wouldn't do that, but Boyan is still a good target. The problem is a lot of teams are targeting him. I mean, I'm talking double digits are after Bojan Bogdanovic. That's that's not easy. That's not the ideal situation to be in. But there's other players, too, that you can target. Uh, again, unless I'm getting a really, really good player that's just a perfect fit, I don't think I'm trading both those first. I trade one. I'd consider it. I don't know about both. I am Harris. I mean, remember, the Lakers, they already made a move. They added some help on the wing. Now they still have the potential to have three first-round picks to play with this summer. They'll have a draft pick, whether it's the Pelicans or their own, most likely the Pelicans. They can move that as soon as it's no longer a pick, as soon as it's, it's a player. They've done it in the past. And you'll have the 2027 and 2029 pick. Now you won't have a lot of salary to go out. Perhaps not a lot of cap space to play with either. So that's something you have to factor in, depending on what you do from here. But nonetheless... I am Harris. Tonight is why the Lakers will never win with Russ. I mean, look, again, it was a bad Russ game. It was a bad, no question. Ryan, go after Levine after the Bulls collapse tonight. You know, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. So this was, the, the Pacers beat the Bulls tonight, by the way. Um, this was posited by Zach Lowe. And by the way, the Pacers are missing some play. Like the Bulls should win that game. The Bulls have kind of found games this season if you are the lakers and you have a way to get zach levine for both first round picks this is again this is purely hypothetical not a reported trade but zach levine for russell westbrook and both first are you doing that deal he thinks the lakers would say yes and the bulls should say yes but they won't he thinks the bulls will say no and I don't know if I want to hitch my wagon to Zach Levine's knees and everything going on there, but it's an interesting idea. And that's what I could see the Lakers doing. I don't agree. I would prefer getting three, maybe two, like really high-level players to put alongside LeBron and AD and then building out your roster from there rather than go after the one guy that you think could eventually be, be a star or whatever. I'd rather see them build a, a deeper roster. But I, I do wonder if that's kind of what the Lakers have in mind with those two first-round picks, the type of move they would be looking for. Robert, 35-7 and seven versus the Clippers. LeBron got all the calls tonight. Uh, Trevor, are wondering if you're going to keep calling out the refs as an excuse. Oh, boy, Robert, you were not watching this game, apparently. LeBron drove to the basket multiple times and got hit and didn't get the call. So if, I mean, if you're saying LeBron got all the calls, yikes. Um, also tells me you haven't been paying much attention this season because LeBron has been getting hammered all season long with no calls. But that said, the referees had nothing to do with this game. The Clippers shot lights out. This was not a, a referee game or anything like that at all. 
The Lakers had three games that I thought were very easily could have gone the other way based on some no calls that were that occurred down the stretch. The Kings game with the Kendrick Nunn three. You've got the 76ers game with the Joel Embiid foul on Russell Westbrook. You've got the Dallas Mavericks game with the uh, with the foul on Troy Brown Jr. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. fouls him. Troy Brown gets fouled on the three-point attempt. No call. LeBron James gets fouled by Christian Wood. The end of the first overtime. No call. Those, those are calls that perhaps swung games, right? There was nothing like that in this game. There's no reason to complain about the officials in, in this game, nor is this like, evidence that oh see the lakers have gotten a great whistle all season or anything like that no get out of here that's crazy talk hala said we need to start looking and talking about the training staff only team in the league where our players are are constantly out weeks longer than their timetable after being hurt it's costing us games let me ask you this is it the training staff or is it the word that's getting out right? Like injuries take however they lo- long they take to heal. But what I've found has been, it, it tends to be that word gets out about Lakers players. That's overly optimistic about how long they're going to be out for. That's just what, what tends to be the case. And that's not what you want. What you would rather, like, let's say a guy has an injury that's going to, that you think is going to take four weeks to recover. What you want is to say, this is a five to six week injury. That's the ideal word that you want out there. Why? Because then you've got a week of buffer where if it heals a little bit slowly or whatever, no big deal. At worst, you've got a week, right? You've already built in maybe even two weeks there, right? If you say it's going to take five to six weeks to come back, you really think it's going to be four weeks. That way, if the player comes back early, everybody's happy. Hey, look, he recovered faster. Look at him. He must be a quick healer, right? That's, that's the story that's out there. With the Lakers, it tends to go the other way. It's an injury that takes four weeks to heal. The, we hear he'll be back in three weeks. And then it really takes five. And everybody's going, what happened to three weeks? What's going on? Something must be really going wrong in the, the training department. Why is this guy healing so, so slowly? Maybe this guy's just lazy. We heard that last year with Kendrick Nunn. Why is he not on the floor? People were complaining about that. A lot of it is what are the expectations? It's managing those expectations. And unfortunately, this has been a consistent thing with the Lakers for years now where unrealistic expectations get out there in terms of how long it's going to take for a player to actually return from their injury. And I wish I had an answer for why that seems to consistently be the case, but it does. I don't necessarily think it has to do with the training staff. I think it has to do with the expectations that get put out there uh, time after time. Senpai says, well, this should happen, given everyone who is out five to six games before he passes Kareem. A Beverly, Lonnie, or Bojan trade would do wonders and start a rally of wins. My, I mean, there's there's times when we look at this Lakers team and we just say, man, they are, they're not that far off. They're not that far off. And then you look and you see the shooting, the floor spacing, the way teams are defending them. You've got teams who are non-stop, non-stop, just packing the paint. That's what they're doing. Packing the paint against the Lakers, non-stop. Boyan would go a long way towards fixing that. Not completely fix that, but you got to add some shooting now that you've added some size on the wing. No question. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Frank, Westbrook has his moments, but on the flip side, he has these soul-destroying sequences. He gets into the game and is responsible for eight Clippers points in one minute. Agreed. He's he's had some moments that are tough. I'm not going to disagree there. He's had moments that have absolutely been brutal. And when he makes mistakes, and this was the case last year too, they tend to be loud mistakes. They tend to be loud mistakes. And um, unfortunately, they can be mistakes where it can really hurt you in a game. It can really hurt you. I'm just checking again for some of the, the quotes and stuff coming out of the, the post game. As we're going through this, Florin says, Russ is playing like he knew he was going to get traded. 
that's reading between the, the reading the tea leaves there a little bit, but um, I don't know. It, it felt like it was just kind of an off night. I didn't think he was particularly angry or anything. Senpai says he's the goat talking about LeBron. TC said, I heard LeBron screaming. Somebody help me please or help me. Somebody please. And he, uh, it definitely was a LeBron and nobody else type of game tonight. That's for sure. Mike said, is there an update on Walker? So Walker's supposed to get reevaluated, Lonnie, sometime this coming weekend. Um, and where's Cousins? Haven't heard anything about DeMarcus Cousins. You know, the Lakers worked him out. Same thing with Myers Leonard. And no word on whether or not they're actually considering signing those guys. Can we have a team take Damian Jones' contract and trade a center that can block? Thomas Bryant and Westbrook are not solid on defense. Um, you know, Damian Jones, because he's got the second-year player option, that's actually going to be a fairly decent detriment to moving him unless you want to give up something because he just hasn't been very playable this year, unfortunately. So uh, I don't... That's going to be a challenge. I, you're not going to make... I don't see the Lakers paying somebody to take Damian Jones right now. I think they've got bigger concerns, figuring out what they're going to do with the trade deadline first. And then if something works out where they open up a roster spot and to bring in Boogie, then okay, maybe you figure out what we're going to do with Damian Jones then. But not that Boogie's going to be a shot blocking big anyway. Uh, this LeBron is unbelievable, but AD is always hurt. Well, he's literally returning tomorrow. So there's some optimism there. Uh, Russ stinks. He should get traded. Even when he played good, we need shooting. Oh, I did do that one. Okay. But yeah, Russ, look, the Lakers still need shooting. I don't know if trading Russ is the way you get there. If the value is there, fine. I'm not opposed to trading Russ. I don't want to see the Lakers pay just to get Russ off the roster, though. Jazz said the game felt like uh, the 51 uh, triple-double game versus the Warriors where LeBron, LeBron did everything, but they lost. Westbrook won the J.R. Smith Award. He was a walking disaster. It did feel like that. And you're not the only one to make that comparison. I've seen that going around quite a bit where people have been comparing this game. It did have that kind of feel where LeBron was fantastic and he was doing the, the Will Smith meme right in the room by himself. Uh, Braun is frustrated and rightfully so. No help. Maybe they find something. So let me say this. We're going to see how the trade market develops. But in conversations I've had, it's the prevalent thought is what the Lakers are going to do now is they're going to bring in AD. That's happening apparently tomorrow. They're going to bring in Rui Hachimura and they're going to see how all the pieces fit and then go from there. So, well, you never know, right? A trade can come from out of the blue with all the, you know, the stars align and all that. I think most likely what we're going to see the Lakers do, and again, this is from talking to people as well, is they're going to have the team go out on this road trip starting on Saturday in Boston play through the road trip, and then hopefully by the end of the road trip, two things will have happened. They'll have a better sense of what it is exactly that they need and don't need and what's kind of working and what's not and that sort of thing. Now that you get Rui Hachimura into the mix, get AD back into the mix, let things settle, and the market will have softened a bit where teams won't be demanding first-round picks for you know, the eighth or ninth man on a, on a decent roster, like that level of player where they're demanding first for that player. That's what the, what the ideal situation will be. So I wouldn't expect the Lakers to turn around and swing another trade like tomorrow. Now, again, never say never. Who knows? The stars may align. Maybe Rob Palenka gets the right phone call tomorrow and something gets done. So I'm not saying like, don't quote me as nothing's happening tomorrow, but I think most likely, once again, from talking to people, what we're going to see happen is the Lakers go out on the road trip and evaluate things. Once they get back, that'll put them still a few days out from the trade deadline and then they can see what's what in the market. I think that is the most likely scenario here for the Lakers. Uh, David, can't wait when the Lakers are healthy and beat the Clippers. Dennis, Thomas Bryant, Pat Bev, even Lonnie Walker are good players, but inconsistent. Going to miss LeBron when he's done. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, people will, will certainly miss LeBron when he's done. And anytime you can get a win over the Clippers, that would be fantastic. It'd be great to see the Lakers get it. Uh, winning Bronco said, any big moves out there? You think uh, Lakers beat the Grizz and can use it as a trampoline type of win. And instead they go down 25 and 23 to meh teams. Yeah. That's, that's kind of been the Lakers MO this season, right? It's been two steps forward, two steps back, but I think that's also a testament to how good the West is 
and how much parity there is across the Western Conference, it's hard to go on any kind of sustained win streak. So that's where you need to be healthy and you need some other teams to be not healthy or, or have some bad breaks and things like that. Um, again, to the Lakers' credit, they've managed to tread water. They've stayed 500 without Anthony Davis. That's a feat in and of itself. Now the question becomes, once you get AD back, you make a trade for Rui Hachimura, can you use that to pour gasoline on the fire and then really make a push in the West? That's what you're trying to do. Uh, hey, Chris, Russ has been nice. At times, he's been the reason we've won some games, but we all know he'll be iced out in the playoffs. I think that's a legitimate concern. I think that's a legitimate concern with Russ. I mean, we all saw what the Lakers did to Russ back when he was with Houston in 2020. I mean, they just they allowed him to shoot jumpers. He shot those jumpers. He took the bait, and the Lakers rolled, right? They lost the first game to Houston. They adjusted their strategy a little bit, and then they won, what, four straight. So, that, that's a, that fear is is not without basis. That that's for sure. Um, again, I'm not of the mindset that you want to pay to get Russ off the roster, but if the right move is there, you're also not just not exploring it. Jason says, "I saw this trade. And I think it's a good idea. All right, let's do it. Lonnie Walker, Pat Bev, and a protected first to the Magic for Jonathan Isaac and a second. Jonathan Isaac literally." Played his first NBA game yesterday in over two years. He hadn't played since the bubble. Pending Isaac's health could be a good move. It could be, but he literally just played his first NBA game. Because of that, I don't think that's a realistic move. Because he literally just played his first NBA game in two years, uh, in over two years. It's not... I don't see that. Now, look, if Jonathan Isaac had been playing all season, sure. Sure, I, I like him a lot. I like his potential. I like his upside and all of that. But it, it, he's too fresh coming off of this injury to do that. This time, Avi B said, this time will not be different for Russ in the playoffs. Again, I think those concerns are, are fair. Um, and we'll see what ultimately the Lakers do there. Again, though, I don't think that means that you take a bad trade just to move Russ. Avi B, Pat Bev and Schroeder defending Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Game was over when it started. Yeah, look, that's that's where we keep saying you get in Rui Hachimura, you slide Austin up to the two instead of having him play the three, sometimes the four. Dennis Schroeder's your one, and then you have an appropriate, appropriately sized roster. And then instead of Pat Bev defending, it's Rui. It's and again, Rui's not a great defender. He's not, but he's at least appropriately sized to defend those players. Like that, that kind of stuff matters. That kind of stuff matters. Black Mama, trade Russ for the Spurs deal, please. I don't know if I'm doing it if it costs both first. Uh, Ayaz said two first-round picks for Gary Trent Jr. I would do one. I don't know if I would do both for Gary Trent. I would do both for Ananobi. I wouldn't do one. Oscar, this is why you trade Russ. He can't play in the playoffs, and he's a liability. Rob is going to have to overpay if Russ keeps playing like this. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. Again, I, I think teams are already demanding that the Lakers overpay to move Russ. I think that's already a thing. So do you really want to do that if you're the Lakers? And again, I, I know like frustration is there right now. The Lakers just lost. He lost to the Clippers. You hate losing to the Clippers and Russell Westbrook didn't play well. And so you get that kind of that knee jerk, get, get the guy off the roster type of mentality. But I have a feeling that if the Lakers were to pull the trigger right now on a Russ trade, that's available to them right now, most Lakers fans wouldn't be super thrilled with what the return is and what they would have to pay. B. Hill said, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, and T.J. McConnell for Russ and whatever. I like that. I like that. Now, T.J. McConnell had a nice game tonight for the Pacers, but I like that thinking because then you are, again, T.J. McConnell's not the same as Russell Westbrook, but perhaps replicating some of that ball handling responsibility that Russ would have um, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. I, I wouldn't mind that. I like TJ McConnell prediction for the next 15 games. Ideally you play at a 60% win clip, like slightly above 500, maybe 65% win clip. That's what you're looking to do. You get AD back, you get your guys back. You're healthy. Go win some games. Go, go three and two, at least on the road trip. Then you can start climbing up the standings. 
Koa, AD saw Russ tonight and decided to suit up tomorrow. I don't know about that. AD saw Russ's game and said, that's it. I'm in. I'm playing. I'm not sitting out anymore. James Bell, imagine if he had Bogdanovich. Yep. And beyond that, imagine if Bogdanovich had LeBron. Or any put any shooter's name in there. Like, you see the way teams are defending the Lakers. Put anybody who shoots well from three, and God, they just got to be licking their chops, thinking, my goodness, how many open looks are they going to get? All of them, right? All the, all the open threes they could ever want. That's what they're going to get on this team with LeBron and AD, right? Rui Hachimura is about to, we're going we're gonna to find out whether or not Rui Hachimura can shoot threes. Last season, he shot 44%. This season, he's at 33% and change. What is he really? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. He's going to get more open looks from three than he's ever dreamed of. That's what we're going to see. And look, Bogdanovich, he would be over the moon with the amount of just wide open looks that he would get playing with LeBron and playing with AD. That's true of any shooter. Brandon, get Rui in here tomorrow. Uh, With what Darvin gets out of his team defensively, I'm excited to see how he develops. Also, get the Optimist back in here regularly. I've been trying, man. I actually set something up. I'm going to record something with uh, the Optimist, Matt Peralta. Uh, Thursday morning, he and I are going to do a, a recording. And uh, and I actually just got a message, too, from Ron Gutterman about doing some stuff tomorrow. So I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. They have busy schedules, though. But I'm trying to make sure I get these guys in. Uh, Ricondo said, games like this say why we trade Russ. He has some good nights, but his bad nights are really bad. Yeah. Um, that's again, when he's making mistakes, they're loud and they can be painful. They can be painful. Jai Paul said Lakers win tomorrow equals an A on my calculus exam. Pray for it. Well, tomorrow's kind of a must win against the Spurs. The Spurs aren't are a tanking team. They're not necessarily trying. I mean, the players always try to win, but organizationally, they're not trying to win. I hope that means you have a good chance of getting an A. Hope that means that. Uh, Jarrell said, Russ and a 2027 first for Pirtle, Richardson, McDermott. Ship out Pat Lonnie 2029 first for Bogdanovich. Uh, also, Sixers trying to unload contracts. Do we call for Matisse Thibel? Thibel doesn't solve your shooting issues at all, but he does help you out defensively. I don't think see the Sixers and the Lakers are necessarily good trade partners, but your trades that you described, I think I would do both. I think I would do both of those deals if they were on the table. And I think if you're the Lakers, you could legitimately say, okay, we've got a championship caliber team here now. But I don't think it's realistic that they're on the table either. I think the Spurs are going to want more in that Richardson McDermott Pirtle trade. And I could see the Pistons even trying to get more in the Bogdanovich deal. But if that if those are on the table, yeah, I'd do them. I'd do those. Uh, oh, Black Mama said, Coach Ham just said, Rui will play tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's the assumption that we've been working under is that he would play. By the way, and you guys can tell I'm I'm still far behind in the chat. Is there a way where Utah sends Jordan Clarkson back? Uh it's it's possible. So Jordan Clarkson, what we've heard about the Jazz is that they're essentially willing to listen to trade talks on anybody that's not Lowry Markinen and Walker Kessler. They'll listen to trade offers for anybody else. Just not those two guys, which, you know, to a degree makes makes sense. Makes sense that they don't want to trade those guys. Those guys are both very good. But that would put Clarkson, in theory, out there. Uh, hasn't gotten an extension done. I believe he has a player option this summer. You could go get Jordan Clarkson. And the question is, what's the cost? What are you willing to pay? Are you willing to give up Lonnie Walker, Patrick Beverly to get there salary-wise? Then you got to add in some assets, and then you have to re-sign Clarkson. Is he the fit that you want? I like Jordan Clarkson. I've liked him since his Lakers days. I just don't know for sure if he's the guy that you that you want to go get. Super dope hip hop said Russell Westbrook uh, complained about not closing after the Blazers game in a bad Russell Westbrook game. Facts over feelings should have Max Christie, Troy Brown Jr. in down 10 instead. Good Russell Westbrook is a different story. Yeah, I mean, right? That's what Darvin had said at the beginning of the season was facts over feelings. If Russ is not having a good game and you have a better chance to win by putting him on the bench to close the game, then you put him on the bench to close the game. And you can't be upset. If you win the game, you win the game, period. Whoever's on the floor. Guys, and 
that that happens in sports. Guys have hot streaks. Guys have cold streaks. They have good games. They have bad games. And coaches have to adjust on the fly. And you have to be willing to adjust without having to worry too much about hurting the feelings of the player. Just be a professional and go out there and you compete the next night. And I'm not saying that Russ isn't doing that or that he shouldn't be upset if he doesn't get to play, right? All players, they should feel hurt. They should feel angry and frustrated and motivated if they don't play to go out there and make sure the next time they are on the floor to close out the game. But Darvin Ham, more power to you, right? If you've got a lineup that you think is going to win you the game, don't not put that, that lineup out there just to spare somebody else's feelings. I'm happy, said Braun holding his groin at the end. Bad news incoming. I, I didn't see that, but man, I'm, I'm hoping not. Uh, Trevor Davis, how many minutes will AD play? How many minutes will AD play? I would assume it'll be limited. My guess, my guess, and it's just that, would be like 20. 20 minutes, something like that. And again, that's, that's all that is, is just a guess. Maybe 20 minutes or something. I would, I would assume there's going to be a minutes limit for AD. Jared Robinson, I find it very interesting when Rob introduced Rui and was asked about the first-round draft picks, he did not seem as certain about keeping them. Well, he wasn't... When Rob was asked about the picks prior to the season starting, when Rob was asked about the picks, he said that he would do whatever he could to help LeBron, and if that meant trading those picks, he would trade them. I think they've been pretty consistent in that, but they just there's a certain bar they have to clear in order to trade those picks. And they have to decide, would we consider splitting those picks up and just trading one of them? Or, or do we say, we're going to package them together, but it's got to be a return that meets the standard of, we're now a contender if we do this deal. That's, that's what they've got to decide. And whether or not that deal is, is available to them is you know, certainly up for, for question. And that'll be revealed heading into the trade deadline here by, by February 9th. But that's really what I think what it's all about. They will trade the picks if the right deal is there. A deal where they like both picks. Okay. But they have to do a deal where they say it clears this bar where we say we do this deal and we are contending. Super dope hip hop said Russell Westbrook, both picks, miles Turner, buddy healed uh, Conley or Rose to replace Russ possible. Potentially you move your picks there, but again, Conley Rose shouldn't cost you a lot. So maybe you could, maybe you could try to find one of those guys to replace that skill set of Russ, that passing that he was providing, at least getting your bigs going. I think that's been one of his best attributes this season is Russ's interior passing, his ability to get open looks for the bigs. Uh, controversial said, take it with a grain of salt. We're outmatched. Uh, they were, they were outmatched tonight in this one. We'll do a few more here. Wise one said, uh, size lineup. Dennis Schroeder, Troy Brown, Rui, Braun, and Davis. That is a big lineup. Uh, you also have uh, rotation players, Lonnie, Wenyon, Reeves, and Max. Sure. Uh, Westbrook and Beverly need to go out for a shooter. Well, Westbrook and Beverly, you put those two together, that's $60 million in salary going out. That's a lot of salary going out for the Lakers in any kind of a deal. So, You'd be talking about a big move, a big, big move there if you're able to uh, to move both those players. All right, let's get it again. I am way behind in the chat, but let's get into this because I know it's everybody's favorite segment. Master lock of the night. All right, so for each show, we take the most annoying thing from the game and we put it in our good friend, Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold, the Master Lock. So, chat, I want to know from you, I'm feverishly scrolling down here so I can get to it. What are we putting in the Master Lock from this game? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm seeing all kinds of responses here. People are saying the Clippers. People are saying Russ. A lot of people saying Russ. Oh, boy. Russ is getting. Russ is going to be sore. Tomorrow, oh, I saw Bomber, Patrick Beverly, Woo. Lakers fans taking off, taking out that frustration. So I'll go with this. I know a lot of people are frustrated with Russell Westbrook. Um, my master lock for tonight, though, it's going to be Steve Bomber. It's going to be Steve Bomber, and it's going to be going to be Steve Bomber for this reason. I've been trying for ages to figure out 
what is Steve Ballmer? Like physically, what is, what's the comparison for him? What does he look like? He's always reminded me of something. And I've tried to figure out what it is. And I think I finally landed on it. I think I finally landed on what Steve Ballmer reminds me of so much. So I have, I've got a six-year-old, and, and so I've seen the Incredibles movies. And Steve Ballmer, when he's on the sideline, and he's sitting in his chair, and he's going crazy, and he's turning that bright, bright, bright shade of red. I think he's Jack-Jack from The Incredibles. When he starts getting really angry and turning into that demon form, and he's this little baby, and he, and he just starts gesturing wildly, and he just starts turning redder and redder and redder. I think that's, that's what Steve Ballmer is. And so you see him getting all fired up on the sideline. The Clippers are winning the game. And he can't help but think, man, that guy needs to be put in the master lock. So, yeah, Steve Ballmer gets my master lock for this one. Uh, Diego, so Steve Ballmer is just the other guy. He's not Bill Gates, and it gives that energy. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'm seeing some other, <laughs> some other comparisons that are in here about about Steve Ballmer. Some people saying he's grew and, and things like that from uh, Despicable Me. Some pretty good ones here. Some pretty good ones here. Lakers fan, you guys are creative. You guys you guys have better minds for this than I do. But I, I landed on on Jack Jack, but I'm seeing some pretty good ones in there in the chat. All right. So tomorrow, Rui Hachimura should make his Lakers debut. Tomorrow, Anthony Davis returning to the Los Angeles Lakers. Finally, will LeBron play? I have to imagine he's going to be questionable for tomorrow's game. Um, typically is. Second night of back-to-back. -back. Heck, he was questionable for tonight's game. So, can the Lakers get the win over the Spurs? And this is going to be a game to watch because you're going to get the return of Anthony Davis and the debut of Rui Hachimura. I want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. Thank you guys for coming in. We're going to continue to cover everything going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. So, of course, make sure you're subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications because we're going to keep you up to date on everything leading up to the trade deadline. If we, I didn't get to your super chat, I will put it into a future video. I will not just dismiss those. They will go into uh, one of our future shows. But till next time, everybody, see ya and stay safe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.